I'm going to say a quick prayer and ask the Lord just to guide my tongue and, and talk to you through his spirit. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the words you've already given to us, Lord, and thank you for all that you do for us throughout the week, Father. All the things that we don't even see, Lord. I pray that through your spirit today, Lord, your message will come across, Lord, and that whoever here that needs to hear it, including myself, Lord, will be open to your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So, we have this crazy term in the church world called backslider. Who's heard that one? Well, you know what, backslider? God wants you back. What's the, what is the definition of backsliding? Slipping back, falling back into sin or into sins. Uh, the noun, when you put it in as a noun, backsliding, the act of one who backslides, abandonment of faith or duty. You know, there's a lot of examples of backsliding in the Bible, and we're going to get to two of them. We're going to do the adult's version of Jonah today, and we're also going to talk about the prodigal son. But quoting from the Zondervan Pictorial Encyclopedia, backsliding means to run away or to rebel against God in favor of, of heathen gods and idols. It goes on to say, in each instant, the term is used when Israel turned away from the true and living God to worship the heathen nature gods and idols, usually referred to as, I think the word's Baals, B-A-A-L-S. So what, where's that, Althea? Before Jeremiah 33, there was Jeremiah 3, and here's what he says in 14 and 15. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. I will give you shepherds according to my heart, you who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. This word came through the prophet Jeremiah and was given to his backslidden people. It is not to the heathen, it is not to the unredeemed but to the people of Israel and Judah. This says to us that God's people do go astray. We do get out of the will of God. But God will spare no grace to pursue us, pleading with us to get back in the personal walk with him, in more complete agreement with him, and at peace with him. The backslidden child of God is not at peace with God, nor is he at peace with himself or herself. They want their own way. They're going to have their own way, even if that leads to the pig pen. Remember the prodigal son? We know where he ended up. The father's love is seen for a rebellious son who had wanted to do things his own way, but returns. We'll go into that in a couple minutes. The writer of Proverbs says about the backslider, The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Proverbs 14.14 14. Jonah was a backslider. He was a pretty bad backslider, actually. We know what happened to him, right? He was a prophet of God, a man of genuine faith, who loved and feared the Lord. Indeed, Jonah walked closely enough to God to be entrusted with a prophetic word to an entire city. An entire city. You know, we hear some prophetic words, and it's to an individual you know, we see some of the prophetic preachers on TV or we go to the conferences and they have a prophetic word for that congregation or that 
But how many times have we heard a prophetic word for an entire city spoken out? So this guy had a lot of weight on his shoulders, right? Ugh, thanks, Lord. <laughs> yeah. The Lord told him, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But he didn't. What did he do? He fled. And guess what happened when he fled? He became the most dangerous man on the Mediterranean. <laughs> why was he the most dangerous man? Because God was coming after him. That's why. And man, I don't want God coming after me like that. So what happened? We know the winds whipped up, all this stuff, right? You know, it's a great kid story, but let's get to the adult side of this kid story. God caused the storm to come up upon the ocean. The sailors pleaded with Jonah to pray to his God to stop the storm. He confessed to them he was the reason for the storm. His God was coming for him. Jonah said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was temptuous against them. These ungodly heathen sailors actually tried to spare Jonah. They were experienced seamen, and they knew the terrain of the deep. As they imagined Jonah being eaten by sharks, they hesitated to throw him overboard. But, beloved, when God goes after a backslider, no one can hinder his divine plan. Nobody can. Where did Jonah's trials take him? took him down into the deepest recesses of the earth where there was no light at all. He testified, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. Jonah had two options at this point. He was in a dark pit of despair. And these same two options I'm going to talk about are available to each one of us. We just have to pick the right one. You can give in to despondency and hopelessness Convince God hates you for your disobedience. You can say, I'm so far down, I can never get back to God. There's no hope for me. Despair will rule your life, sinking you ever into the pits of depression. I mean, I'm guilty of that. How many times have we said, oh, God can't take me back after this? Mm-hmm. There's no way his love's not that big. Yeah, right, let's find out how big his love is. Jonah easily could have given into the spirit of despondency. If he had, he would have died in the belly of that whale. His name would never have been spoken again. And you say, well, no. Come on, God ordained this guy. No, Jonah had a choice. He could choose to stay despondent and die in the belly of that whale, or he could choose to get on his knees and seek after his God. Yes. Beloved backslider, you too can give up the storm. When everything is against you, when you descend to the lowest pit of anguish, feeling swallowed up by your despair, you will think that God has abandoned you. He has not. You abandoned him. You'll be tempted to say, it's no use. God doesn't care. He can't possibly love me because he's allowed all this trouble to follow me. There we go. There goes the blame game, right? It was God's fault. He allowed this to happen to me. Did he really? Whose choice was it? Because God wouldn't have chose that for Jonah. When you get to that point of despair, you have a choice to make. And here's your second option. You can call on God for mercy. You can come back to the Lord. 
no matter how far you've run from him. Thank God Jonah made the right decision. Then Jonah prayed unto his Lord in the belly of that whale, or fish in some uh, translations, and he cried and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried, and the Lord heard my voice. The whole purpose of your storm, whatever you're going through right now, the whole purpose of it is for you to press in as Jonah did. Turn back to God. It doesn't matter how big the storm is. Drop to your knees and turn back to God. The Lord is pressing you to return to your first love, to come back to his house, to call on him, to trust and pray your way out of trouble. You only have to choose to do that. You have to choose to do that. God's not going to force you to choose that. That's your choice. I mean, there's a ton of examples of backsliders in the Bible. David, Noah, Lot, Peter, most of the disciples after he died. I mean, there's, they're all over the place. So let's go through a couple of them. I mean, when you read through the Psalms, you know that David ended a lot of his Psalms by pleading with the Lord for his life because he had done some heinous act and heinous sin against the Lord. And then he comes back to the well and says, but, oh, God, I can see your mercies are new every day. Take me back into your bosom. You know, let me lay upon your chest and hear you breathing. I, I need that closeness with you, right? And who actually had to go to David and point out the biggest mistake that he made? Another prophet of God, right? So here we have David, this great guy, who really should be our hero. What happened to our hero? Man, this, I, I'm telling you, I think David was the original ADHD child, okay? <laughs> they just didn't have Ritalin back then. <laughs> he was all over the board, you know? I mean, his thoughts were everywhere. And then Nathan the prophet came to David after he had committed adultery. And here's what David wrote. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin are always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. That's the heart, right? the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Can you imagine the anguish David was going through when he wrote this? But what did he do? He turned back to God. I don't care what kind of trial you're in, what kind of storm you're in. I don't care what your mind is telling you. I don't care what Satan's throwing at you. Turn back to God. You know, Peter denied Christ three times. And then what did he do? He went back to cast nets, didn't he? What did some of the other disciples do? They fled. They hid. They denied they even knew Christ. Noah got drunk and lay naked in his tent. But this guy, like, saved the world. 
What is wrong with him? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, come on, Noah. What are you thinking about? Can you imagine God up there? These stupid humans. <laughs> you know, and God does not say that. That's me paraphrasing. <laughs> I mean, he's looking down at Noah and said, Noah, I just told you to build this ark to save the world. What are you doing? I don't know, Lord. <laughs> I just fell into sin, right? It happens. That easy. You don't know. It creeps up on you. It's really easy. It's a couple of people standing around at church. Oh, did you see what she wore today? I did. I can't believe she wore that to church today. Did you hear what Ken did at his business last week? That wasn't very Christian attitude, was it? What happens? You know, it doesn't seem like much, but that rolls into something else and rolls into something else and rolls into something else, and the next thing you know, you have division in the church, all because somebody was backsliding and they didn't realize it. You know, they, we trick ourselves, saying, no, we're good. We're okay. I'm good with God, right? Yeah, right. How good are you with God? Let's find out. So, now we have Lot, who sought fellowship with the Sodomites, who were completely destroyed. Not only that, but he got drunk and ruined his own daughters. But he is a righteous man. He was accounted as righteous by the Lord himself. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. And that's God. Unbelievable. The ultimate picture of the backslider returning with true repentance can be found in the story of the prodigal son. I know this is a great story. We've heard it a bunch of times. I'm going to tell a little bit different. The prodigal repented when he came to his senses. What does that mean, when he came to his senses? Do you think it was, oh, man, I woke up next to a pig again. I'm eating the leftovers of corn and who knows what they throw in here. You know, it was good at my father's house. So I'm just going to go back there and pretend everything's good and all is well. And at least I'll get some meat there. And maybe he'll treat me like a servant. You know, was it that? No, it wasn't that, was it? It wasn't just, a, you know, like a lot of people these days. Well, you know what? I'll tell people that I'm getting clean. I put the drugs away. I put the alcohol away. I don't need to go to the meetings anymore. I'm good. Right? And I'll, I'll put the front on and I'll look really nice. My wife made me put this on this morning. So. And I'll look really nice. And on the outside, I'm going to fool you. And you, and you, and you, and you. But I'm not going to fool God. And I'm only fooling myself. Right? So let's see. What did he do? He came to his senses. This means a person who remains unrepentant and in sin that is dragging him to hell is not in his right spiritual senses. He has been spiritually blinded by something or deceived somehow. So what happens? The blinders came off and he came back to his spiritual senses. The prodigal was able to find forgiveness after he turned away from all wickedness. He had been in that held him in spiritual death. He turned back to the original sin. He was spiritually dead. Oh, well, let's find out what the Lord does with that. Repentance, turning from sin to serve God, is illustrated in this teaching. Though he was in wild living, including sexual sin with prostitutes, for an unknown period of time, perhaps many, many years, he still found forgiveness. You know, in my own family, I have an uncle 
who unfortunately, due to life circumstances, fell away from the church. He was a pastor. He was also a lay minister for the local police and fire departments. And he got called out to all the death scenes and all this and all that. And, you know, he, he was a great man of God, I remember, when I was growing up, even though at that time I really didn't want to know who God was. I went along with the rest of the family, and I made fun of my uncle, just like they did, because he wouldn't partake in certain things. And then his wife left him, and that completely changed my uncle. He ran away from God. He's still running away from God to this day. I've talked to him a few times since I've come to know God. And in fact, the Lord gave me a vision. One day, him and I will be standing in front of many people, you know, talking about repentance and forgiveness. One day that will happen. And I keep praying that. And, you know, you read this story, and my uncle, who's been away from the Lord for 40 years now, he can still come back. He's not lost forever. All he has to do is repent. So here's what happened to the prodigal. He became alive again, and he lost his spiritual condition. That changed him. And it turned from all those sins, and humbly he came back to the Father to serve him. Key word there, humbly he came back to the Father to serve him. The only time in the Bible where we read that the Father ran is in this teaching. And what was it for? It was to welcome the repentant backslider home. So imagine, you're the backslider. You're coming in the door back there, and God just takes off right at you with his arms like this, crying and happy. You've returned. You've returned, my child. Mm -hmm. The father actually ran. The father was so happy to have him back, he hugged and kissed him, and then they celebrated. So what do you think happens when a backslider turns back to God? What do you think is going on up there? A party. You're right. It's a celebration. The angels are going wild. They're in your corner. They're cheering. You hit a home run. You're rounding the bend. It's a good thing. And what is this? What, what, you know, we, we hear all this stuff going on in the world today, right? Well, what is God doing now? Yeah, America might fall apart. Yeah, our dollar's going to go to heck. Who cares? It doesn't matter to us. We live in a different society. We're supposed to be anyways. So what's going on? God is in the process every day of restoring people to himself. He is shaking the foundations of the nations right now. Isaiah 6, 5 through 6 states, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Galatians 6, 1 through 2 states, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. It doesn't say to go around and point fingers at them. It doesn't say to gossip about them. It doesn't say to turn your back on them because they've fallen down. What does it say? Let's read it again. It says... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person, what? Gently. Not harshly. Not with a judging attitude. Gently. 
But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. When some Christians see a fellow believer do something that is sinful, like we just said, they proceed to tear that person apart. Several things can happen. The person may be avoided, slandered, looked down upon, openly rebuked by another believer. Wow, I don't want to be the guy who does that, right? It doesn't matter what the child of God has done. You have a loving father who is pleading for you to return to his fellowship and enjoy the peace, comfort, love, and joy that is found. Where is it found? Only in the presence of the power of God. Only in the presence of the power of God. Don't take me wrongly. This doesn't mean you can go off and do something, do a sin, and just keep coming back to the well. It doesn't work that way. Okay? However, every time you come back to the well, who's going to be there with open arms? The Lord's going to be there for you. You have to make the choice. Like we talked about, Jonah had two choices. Be despondent and die in the belly of the whale or fall to his knees and turn back to his God and be rescued. We have been freed from such arrogance and pride because out of Isaiah 5.18, we drag the carcass of the flesh around with us. We have not laid it down yet. It is still a battle we face every day. And until we come into glory, this stuff gets in the way every day. My eyes get in the way every day. My tongue gets in the way every day. You know, none of us are perfect. It's not going to happen. One day we will be, and we'll be whiter than snow. I'm looking forward to that day. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. We can't see the bottom of the ocean. We don't have submarines that can go to the bottom of the ocean. We don't have sonar that can go to the bottom of the ocean. Do you think God sees those again once he's hurled them down there? God doesn't see them. Jesus took them away. He hid them away. He took them for us. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but he who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. It's true repentance we're talking about. What about you who are hearing this message? Have you backslidden and refused to return to Jesus? You may say, but you don't know what I've done and how far down I've gone. Let me tell you, my friend, I don't care. If you allow yourself to wallow in your fear, in your guilt, and in condemnation, you will be crushed in it and end up hard-hearted. Or we have the other choice. You can say, no, I have heard a message of hope, a message of strength and of power in Jesus Christ. I can come home to my Lord. I can turn back to him, and I can see him running towards me with his arms open wide. And right behind him, what's back there? A celebration. He's waiting to have a feast with us. Wow. What a good feast that is. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. You know, so about Jonah. I believe that as soon as Jonah started praying in the belly of that whale, I think God made a little dry patch in there 
And he told Jonah, now come over here and sit down with me. Inside the whale of the valley. The valley of the whale, sorry. Jonah, come sit and worship with me. Jonah must have had some kind of revival meeting with God inside that dark place. In fact, when God showed up, it wasn't even dark, right? Jonah knew exactly what was going on. Meanwhile, while this was going on, God was guiding that whale across the Mediterranean. He beached the whale on the shore and made him vomit up Jonah. Well, you can kind of look at the vomit representing the sin, right? He's a stained, dirty man. He sinned against God. But he turned back to God. And God saved him. He beached the whale and threw him out on the shore. said, here you go. Now, go fulfill my word. Mm -hmm. So what happened? Jonah became set free. He was anointed again. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and was like, boom, go preach it. Right? I'm ready for you, buddy. Sorry. A little short. So God restored everything for Jonah, and he wants to restore everything the devil has taken from you. He wants to give back everything to you in good measure. That's why he has left his glorious promise to all his backslidden children. This is Jeremiah 3, 20 through 22. But like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so you, Israel, have been unfaithful to me, declares the Lord. They have perverted their ways and they have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, faithless people, and I will cure you of your backsliding. Yes, we will come to you, Lord, for you are the Lord our God. We will come back to you, Lord. It doesn't matter how far you went. It doesn't matter what you did. Today is your day. Turn around and come back to the Lord. In a couple minutes, I'm going to invite the elders and the prayer team and whoever wants to come up. Think about it for a minute. There's something there. God says give it to him. He's standing in front of you with open arms, waiting for you. Come back. Come back to Him. All you have to do is simply return. It's God's work to heal your tendency to backslide. He said, I will cure your backslidings. I will cure your backslidings. Turn back to your gracious, loving Savior. He promises, He promises to bring you all the way back. Not part way back. Not three quarters of the way back all the way back into him. You can lay your head against his chest again. You can listen to him breathe. You can drink from the cup of his hand. He wants you all the way in. He doesn't want you on the edge. He doesn't want you on the fence. He wants you in. Oh God, I hope that your words fell into some open ears this morning. God, we thank you for all the examples of backsliders you've given us in the Bible, Lord. Some of them committed sins that they don't deserve to come back, but you took them back, Father. You took them back. You love them. Oh, Lord, how I pray that we come back to you as a church. Oh, Lord, when we come back, the floodgates will be open. 
The celebration will start. Your Spirit will pour out upon this church, Lord, and it will pour out of this church. Revival's on the way, Lord. It just takes us to make a choice. I invite you to make that choice this morning. You know, there's nothing, nothing that you can hide from God and there's nothing that you did that he won't take you back. I just urge you to come up for prayer this time. Confess and truly repent. The Lord's going to wrap his arms around you. He's going to give you that big papa hug that we all love. He's going to whisper in your ear and tell you it's all right. Welcome back. And then he's going to seat you at the table, do his right hand. And there we're going to dine with him. What a glorious day. Thank you, Father.